in some way. And, and one of the things about it, and I've, I've been involved in serving and volunteering since um, we got saved, and it creates such an incredible community. You meet people, you feel um, attached and, and connected. And um, the other thing is to say that people do that thrive more, that volunteers thrive more in a local church because they have this community around them helping them. So it's not only for the kids, it's not only for Oceanside, but it's for ourselves. Amen? Amen. Thank you. So Paul is going to be spree- uh, preaching today, so let's give him a hand. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. Good morning. Morning, morning. I have a confession to make. I'm really bad at remembering names. Anybody else out there? To be honest, sometimes it's so bad you could be talking to me for the first time and you've told me your name and I've already forgot before our conversation is over. <laughs> I'm just being honest. It's a reality. I, I, I struggle with names. But you know what? There's someone's name that's really hard to forget and we shouldn't forget and that's Jesus. You know, it's interesting when we look at Jesus um, and we look at his name, his name means literally God rescues So here we are meeting somebody, and his name tells us something significant. It says, God rescues. His name is Yeshua, and it tells us the very purpose of who he is. We know the story. We've been singing about it. We've been talking about it this morning, that God's rescue mission for people was through his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus, his son, to earth to live in human likeness like you and I, to take our sin to the cross, to conquer it, to restore right relationship with God. And when we think of a name, we think of Jesus. He isn't just somebody that we just meet once and we kind of forget about him and he's kind of casual. And I was thinking of the significance of who he was and who his name was. And just for a moment, follow me. Consider the ways that Jesus could introduce himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am the bread of life. I am the bright and morning star. I am the author and the perfecter of your faith. What else does he say? He's the chief cornerstone. He's the deliverer, the head of the church, the great high priest, Emmanuel, the judge, the king of kings, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah. How are these nicknames, friends? My gosh. You're not going to forget this Jesus, are you? He's the Messiah, the resurrection and the life, the door, the word, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's the great I am. When we encounter this Jesus, friends, we don't forget. And I just want to start and just say, if you haven't encountered this Jesus I'm talking about, it'll change your life. Come and talk to us after the service. Because this Jesus will give you purpose and change the reason why you live. And I want to show that and read through some scripture this morning. And, you know, we we read of when Jesus comes and the disciples encounter Jesus for the first time. And I want to read in Matthew 4. I'm a sucker for fishermen. I love fishing. Some of you have no idea why I would do something like that. But fishing is fantastic. So I get these people. So Matthew 4, 18 says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. 
Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. They were mending their nets, and he called to them. And immediately, they left their boats and their father and followed him. It's amazing. You see the disciples encounter Jesus, and it isn't casual. It isn't passive. They haven't forgot his name. They actually stop everything they're doing and their life is changed from the moment they encounter Jesus. And Jesus gives them purpose. He says, I will make you fishers of men. And it changes their life. Jesus, the rescuer, grabs these fishermen and he takes them and gives them purpose and he sends them on a rescue mission. We've been talking about outreach and reaching out and Right from who Jesus is, he comes and he gives purpose to people as we encounter Jesus. And it comes and it starts for us with an invitation, just as it did with an invitation to the disciples. And the invitation is, follow me. So for us today as believers, the best thing we could call ourselves is followers of Jesus. This is who we are. It's our identity. And I want to look at this. I want to look at living as a follower of Jesus. What does it look like when we look at the life of Jesus and we see what he did and what was happening around him? What do we see? What are the things that should exist in the life of a follower of Jesus? Now, you can all take a deep breath because if we were going to cover all of it, you know, we would be here for a couple days. I won't keep you here for a couple days. And this list of things isn't exhaustive, but there's a few truths this morning in the context of reaching out, in the context of the purpose that God gives us to be fishers of men, to reaching out that I feel are so key and significant that we can't move past them. And the first point that I have for us this morning is this, that as followers of Jesus, we need to have a close and an intimate relationship with God. We know when we look at the life of Jesus, he spends time with the Father. He spends time in prayer. Um, We know that he knew the scripture, and it wasn't just that he got a download from heaven. He knew the scripture. He knew the word. And it's amazing that even in the busyness of his calling, in the busyness of Jesus's ministry, it's amazing that he actually takes time out, and he withdraws from the people. He withdraws from the crowd, and he spends time with the Father. He models something for you and I. You see, his relationship with the Father came first. This is significant because it's actually where it all starts and it starts for us. We know that he, we see him going about his father's business. Even from a young age, his parents lost him. You ever lost your kid somewhere and the kid just kind of runs away and you go, where is your kid? Well, Mary and Joseph did that and they're looking for Jesus and they find him and they find him in the synagogue and he's teaching all these people And they go, we've been looking for you. And he goes, don't you know that I'm going to be about my father's business? You read that in Luke. I'm going to be in my father's house. Right away, there was this desire for him to be about his father's business. And I feel like there's two significant things to pull from it for us. Why is it so imperative that we have a close and intimate relationship with God? Because it's where we find purpose and authority. Purpose, you see, for Jesus, John 6, 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. His will, his purpose. Just like the disciples that encountered Jesus, he starts and he says, follow me. And it's an invitation with purpose. 
And the purpose was, I will make you fishers of men. In John 5, 19, you read and it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. In this, you see this piece of his authority. And you see that his authority to walk in his purpose. You know, have you ever been given a task and you didn't really feel like you had the authority or the platform or the space to do it? It's kind of hard, isn't it? But you know, when you're given the authority, you can do it. And you see that from his relationship with the Father, Jesus gets authority in this. And he shows the disciples the same thing. If you go back to the encounter of Jesus and the disciples, um, he gives them the purpose, which was to, to be fishers of men. But then he says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't just say, hey, you're going to go be fishers of men. Figure it out. See you later. No, no. He says, come, follow me. I will make you. We get authority from the Father. So our relationship with God is so important. And in the context of reaching out, friends, we don't actually have much to offer without a close and intimate relationship with God. We don't. So what else for us? When we look at the life of Jesus, um, as followers of Jesus, what should we see in our lives? The next thing I want to say is that he loved people and he was moved with compassion for them. And it was genuine. In John 13, 34, it says, A new command I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Jesus actually loved and cared for people, all people. And we know that it wasn't just those that were easy and convenient to love. How many know some people are a little easier to love than others? Okay, come on. Jesus sees your heart here. Come on. How many of you guys know that some people are easier to love than others? All right. Okay. All right. Good. Appreciate you being honest here. It's true. It's a reality. And you know, sometimes actually, um, we sort of want to pick and choose where we're going to love. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw people. And I just reminded of this even in my own life. And, you know, when we think of a follower of Jesus and what should, what should be around us, we should have a love and a desire to reach out to others. And it was about two weeks ago, I was at a grocery store and I was in a hurry. I got a young family at home, so I'm in a hurry. I got to go pick up something we were missing for dinner. And as I walk into the grocery store, there's a gentleman standing on the side, probably you know, in his 50s or so, and he's kind of looking down, and he's got a little sign. I can't really read it, and I'm on a mission. So I'm walking. I'm into the grocery store. I kind of look at him. I don't just read. I couldn't read his sign. I just sort of look at him, look at his face, and I walk right in, and I kind of go through the grocery store, and I just kept thinking about this guy, and I uh, got my groceries. I came back out, and sure enough, he's still there, and I just kind of, I kind of felt something drop in my spirit. Like, am I really just going to walk by this guy? Um, he was a bit disheveled. He clearly needed a shower. And he was a bit embarrassed holding a sign and obviously needed something. And I went, you know what? Actually, what is it, God, that you have in this moment? So I went up to him and I said, hey, what are you, what are you doing here? What, uh, what's your sign say? And he just says, you know, his sign is I need some money. And we often see people asking for things. And he says, I'm like, well, why do you want money? 
Um, I, I've done a lot of outreach and things in my past, and I know that in this, in this world here in North America, that generally if people want money, it's not usually for something good. Um, because you can get food and things here. It's fairly easy. So I'm asking him, and he says, you know, and he, I took the time to ask him, and he said, you know, I, I just moved out here from Quebec. He said, I'm on disability. Income's really tight. It was hard to find a place to rent, and I've ran out of money, and the money hasn't lasted the month, so I don't have food. I went, okay. I took the time to ask him. I said, okay, well, so you need food, and that's what you want. That's why you're asking for money? He says, yeah. And he's kind of sheepish looking down, and I went, I'll take you shopping. So I took him shopping. So we went through. You should have seen the look on his face when I said, hey, here's what I've got for a budget. Go and buy what you want. Let's go shopping. And we did. And it was, you know, I could have just given him a couple dollars, but I took the opportunity to demonstrate that I actually cared about this person. And it wasn't easy and it was inconvenient. And when we went through the shop, we had a great conversation. And at the end, I just, I had an opportunity to just encourage him and just say, you know, I feel like in many ways, you probably feel like you get overlooked, you know? And even as you were looking down, I feel like I'm picking up something from you that you feel like, you know, maybe you're insignificant. And, and I just had a chance to encourage him and he was just overwhelmed. And I've got to share, you know, God loves you. He sees you. You're not insignificant. And it was an amazing moment, but it's, and it happened and then that was it. But, you know, loving others and reaching out to others is inconvenient. It isn't easy. And we don't pick and choose. And Jesus didn't pick and choose. And he's our example. And I'm not telling you a story to somehow want praise in any way, but I just want to demonstrate that how easy it is and what it looks like. So for us, we should have a love and compassion for people. That's genuine, that's real. You know, Andy shared last week and he read, he read a scripture um, and it says that Jesus went throughout all of the cities teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, I love that Jesus being all-knowing, didn't judge people. And here we are, and we sometimes haven't a clue what's happening in someone's world, but yet we are quick to judge. And you know, actually, God hasn't put us in that position to judge others. He's put us in a position to love others and to be moved with compassion. And I feel challenged with that, and I'm sure you guys feel challenged too. And, but I feel challenged because we can be so quick to judge things in the natural you know, it's often people's poor decisions or their, their things, the choices they make in life that put them in the position they're in. It's like, well, you made your bed, you got to sleep in it. And, and maybe there's a reality to that that they have to walk through, but that actually isn't demonstrating the heart of God. The heart of God is to love people, to be moved with compassion and to want to see them despite their shortcomings, despite their issues, despite their mistakes. God's still reaching out in love. And, you know, I spent um, years ago, we used to do outreach down at the Hope Center in Nanaimo. And it really challenged me because I was definitely a judgmental person. I'm just being honest. I was. And being down in that space and meeting people that are transitioning from homelessness and addiction, transitioning out of a very ugly season in life, you know, it's really easy to judge. But when you start to meet these people, and you start to hear these stories. 
It's wild. I remember chatting with a guy and hearing his story and he was telling me, he said, you know, Paul, I I had it all. I was in construction. Life was good. I was married. I had a kid. You know, everything was normal. I was happy. And he said, you know, my, my child died and my spouse left me and I was in so much pain and I didn't know what to do. And he said, you know, this one time, you know, I, I decided I would, I would do drugs. And he tried a drug. And he said, I wish I could go back to that moment. And he was pretty, he was pretty aggressive in his, he said, I wish I could go and punch myself in the face in that moment. Because from that moment on, he said he was hooked and he couldn't get away from it. And I just think, wow, who am I to judge? Any one of us are even a few bad decisions or even life experiences away from being in someone else's position. Who are we to judge? Man, challenging, challenging. And I saw time after time. And this, these stories, these kind of things should change the way we look and value people. And we want to see people the way Jesus sees people. As a follower of Jesus, Jesus was moved with love and compassion for others. We should be moved with love and compassion for others around us. Amen? We shouldn't be quick to form our opinions. We shouldn't be quick to judge. You know, I love when we read about Jesus that, that this piece of love and compassion, it wasn't an event. It was actually just him. Everywhere he went, there was an overflow. If there was an interruption and there was a chance for love and compassion, it came out. When he was exhausted and ministered all day and there was another opportunity, it just came out. The disciples are like, how can we keep following you, Jesus? We need to go and rest. But Jesus is just so moved with love and compassion for people. It's not like he was setting up this tent. It's not like he was going, hey, just meet me here. Stand in a nice line. And if I have time, I will give you love and compassion. If it's convenient. And you know what? Actually, I'm all out of love today. That wasn't Jesus. His tanks were always full. Always full. For us, loving others is a lifestyle. It isn't, event. it isn't an event. It's amazing we have an opportunity to do an outreach like Love Your City. And that's an event. An event is great for gathering us corporately, stirring our hearts to engage our city in a big way. But if that is the only way that we love and reach out to our city, we have completely missed the point. And we actually aren't demonstrating the love of Christ the way that Christ did. It was lifestyle. It was an event. In Acts 10, 38, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He just went about doing this. So events are great, but it's both. And lifestyle is so important for us. And, you know, in, in line of mobilizing us and getting us outside and catching the heart of God for reaching out, uh, one of the areas of ministry that we really feel that God is stirring us towards as a community is reaching out to seniors in care facilities and the like. And uh, we're, we're exploring ways that we can do that. And I just want to say even today that if you have a heart or would like to get involved with, with some form of a, a, an outreach or a way that we can do that, um, we're exploring ideas right now. And even after the service, Joy is going to be at the back. Joy, you want to wave your hand wherever you are? There she is right here. She's going to be at the back at the next step booth. Why don't you go back and chat with Joy and, and dream with us for ways that we 
can go and reach into that community. We really feel stirred that that's something God's calling us to. But we got to remember that things like that, uh, events or ministries like that, or events like Love Your City, they're only one component and they do not replace the need for us to have a lifestyle that demonstrates this. You know, I was thinking that this piece of our busy life and the inconvenience of loving others, I just thinking, you know, how many times when we walk by someone um, and maybe they're someone that's begging or asking for something and, you know, you're, you're kind of on a mission, right? And I was thinking about this, we're walking, right? And we're just kind of power walking. We have our life, everything's happening. We're talking with people and we see them and maybe we feel stirred to give or to do something. We just kind of dig in our pocket, right? We find our toonie or whatever you found and we're keeping walking. We don't even want to break stride. We just want to chuck it in and go, God bless you. And we keep going. We want to, we want to sometimes love others in the easiest, most convenient way. And we almost can separate ourselves far enough so that our heartstrings don't actually get tugged. And I just feel like there's an encouragement uh, that I feel from the Father to say, actually loving others is up close and it's personal. And when you genuinely stop and value somebody as significant, God is going to open big doors. He's going to open big doors. I felt such a challenge that, um, you know, we can almost be in the kiddie pool. If I, I get to take my daughter to the pool. It's a lot of fun. But there's like this shallow kiddie pool that's, that's it's safe, it's easy, it's comfortable. It's really awkward for a dad hanging out in the kiddie pool. I'm just saying it's well, okay, right? But, but even in this idea of reaching out and loving others, we can want to stay in the kiddie pool, and we look awkward. You know, even the world plays in the kiddie pool. Even the world does things that are generous and helping others and they bless others. You ever been in a drive through lineup and the person in front of you pays for it? Amazing. We can do that too. We should, being generous. It's awesome. Do any of you actually go to a, here's a stretch. Do any of you go, I'm not just going to be generous. I'm going to, I want them to know that this is from Jesus and Jesus loves them. So you tell the cashier and you say, hey, hey tell them that Jesus bought it for them right? You get someone else to kind of witness or say something for you. I just feel like God's prompting us going, come on, we got to get out of the kiddie pool and not just do what's easy and convenient and have other people's do it for other people do it for us. You know, there's actually a responsibility on each one of us to do this stuff on each one of us. And, uh, I, I just, I want to be, I want to encourage you with that just to say that God is going to put opportunities before you to love others and do them. And you're going to be inconvenienced and it's going to be uncomfortable, but God is going to be in it. And he wants to take us out of our comfort zones. He wants to take us out of the kiddie pool and get us into the deep end where we actually have a real conversation with the guy that needs a shower and is a bit disheveled and it's awkward and it's inconvenient, but actually God will make the time for them. He wants us to make the time for them. So what else? As followers of Jesus, as we're looking at Jesus, what else? If we want to do this well, what do we see? This is a really important one. This is one where you can all take a deep breath. A follower of Jesus operates in the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders follow them. You know, Peter was speaking of Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, because he's always our example. And he says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed. 
Jesus went in the power of the Holy Spirit. We get to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. So even in this stretching, challenging, um, loving of others, it isn't actually something that we have to go and muster in our own strength and in our own ability. Right? Guess what? The Holy Spirit's coming with us. And he wants to empower us to get out of our comfort zones. The Holy Spirit actually comes to testify to Jesus. He wants us to bear witness to Jesus. And as we witness, as we love others, as this flows out of us, the Holy Spirit comes and gets behind it like a wind and goes, you know what? Your little step, I'm going to take you from there and take the conversation way over there. And in the natural, we go, there's no way I could have shared all that or said all that. But yet the Holy Spirit comes and brings brings us through. It's amazing. We get to partner with God in us. How incredible. You know, Jesus says, greater things than these you will do. Even as we look at Jesus and we see the stuff that he walked in, you know, he tells us actually here today, you and I, look at your neighbor, say, I'm talking about you. Look at your neighbor. I'm talking about you. That's right. He's talking about you. Greater things. That's amazing. I'm not qualified. The Holy Spirit qualifies us. And he comes and empowers us to be this witness. And he gives us a supernatural boldness. You know, what's amazing with the Holy Spirit is he comes with gifts. How many of you love when someone comes to your house with gifts? I mean, when someone comes to our house, it's pretty awesome. You guys don't like gifts. Okay. Well, you know, when when the in-laws, when Katie's parents come to our house, they come with gifts. And often way too many. I don't know what it is with kids' toys. There's always so many gifts. But you know what? As the Holy Spirit comes, he comes with gifts. And sometimes we just leave them wrapped up on the shelf. You know, the Holy Spirit comes to give us gifts and we can't go into all of them right now or you will be here for two days. But there's a couple places in scripture that highlight them. So write them down. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11 and Romans 12, 4 to 8. And there's gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to highlight a couple of these. You know, there's a message of wisdom. There's a word of knowledge. Faith is a gift. Healing is a gift. Miraculous powers. Prophecy. Distinguishing between spirits. Speaking in tongues. Interpreting them. Serving is a gift. Prophecy. Teaching. Encouragement. Giving. Leading. Mercy. The Holy Spirit comes with gifts. You know, it's actually not normal. It should be unnatural for us, followers of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit inside of us to not operate in the gifts. That is unnatural for a follower of Jesus. Did you know that? It's unnatural. God actually has empowered us. And and with the Holy Spirit, we get to walk in gifts. So I want to encourage you, go and read these gifts and see what it is that God can, can and wants to do through you and I. Because the Holy Spirit's prompting us. He's prompting us to reach out. You know, I, just for the sake of some fun stories, um, there, was a, there was a time where we used to do treasure hunts back in the day. And we actually do something similar now with our Axe on the Street team. And we used to do these treasure hunts. Uh, we would get together and we would pray, not for 10 minutes. We would pray for an hour. And the whole point of that prayer time with the Lord was to listen. 
It wasn't just to come with our laundry list of things that we wanted to pray for. Actually, we spent time listening. God, what are you saying? Who do you want us to find? What are some keys or what are you saying? And he would actually give us little pieces of information. He would give us names sometimes. Sometimes he would give us just random facts or things. And we would take those, then go out onto the street and look for them. It was a treasure hunt. People are a treasure to God. And we would go on a hunt looking for these people. And I want to tell one of those stories. Uh, So this one time we're gathered, we're praying, and we're hearing from God, and we just get some random things. And sometimes, um, and this is a spiritual gift, it's a word of knowledge, um, we just get this random things. We get a hat, a guy with a beard, a blue jacket. And we go, well, that's really odd. I have no idea who that is or what that is, but you know what, God, we just, we trust you and we're going to go and try and find this person. So we go out on the street and we go, we go looking for this person and we're not finding them anywhere. And we actually walked by the casino and uh, we'd walked by the casino and all of a sudden this guy bursts through the doors. Like he didn't push them open. He just like pushed them open and he was loud. And we turn around loud enough. He got our attention. We turn around and there he was. Beard, hat, blue jacket. We went, whoa, okay, God, we got to go talk to this guy. All right, we don't know what we're going to say. We got to go talk to this guy. We go, hey, we, God told us to come and talk to you. The first thing he tried to do was fight us. Just saying. <laughs> it was the first thing he tried to do. Um, and he was, he was some black belt kickboxer. He tried to fight us. He does the splits in front of us and shows us what he's made of. I'm like, oh my goodness, hold on, hold on. We want to tell you good news. And he goes, well, I just got out of jail. And we just said, God has your name and he has your number and he wants you. And we told him our story. We told him what happened. And we're like, and we said, you know, and, and he had a blue jacket. He's like, I don't have a blue jacket. I'm like, uh, you're wearing one. He's like, no, I'm not. And he was kind of worked up about it. And then all of a sudden he looks down and he goes, where did this come from? So, so he had managed to, in the casino, grab somebody else's jacket without knowing it, thought it was his, put on the blue jacket, burst outside to go have a smoke. And here he is in a blue jacket absolutely encounters the power of God, radical salvation right then and there, gives his heart to the Lord. From there starts, you know, starts a family, starts coming to church. Um, and, you know, he, he was wrestling with coming out of jail, with addiction issues, with alcohol issues. I mean, it was messy. Life was messy. But God had his number. God had his number. And it's amazing what God can do when we're listening. But if we aren't listening, we don't get those keys that unlock big doors for people. So that was one, one example. And I, I love stories. I hope you like stories. I, I just feel like I want to share just even another one. Just one of the times we were down at that Hope Center, that place, and just meeting with people. And there was a, there was a man that had come through the Hope Center, and um, he was having a hard time in life. And he had tried to commit suicide, and life was not good, and he was struggling with depression and really not doing well. And, you know, and it took time of just having some conversations and just encouraging him and saying, you know what, actually, God knows you, and life is worth living, and he loves you, and he has purpose for you, and he's real. And you know what? All the stuff that once was, it's okay. God has paid for it all, and he's rescued you, and he wants to bring you through, and he cares. 
And from someone that was depressed and not feeling good about themselves and really struggling, I'm telling you, this person turned his life around for Jesus, has a relationship with God, and is probably one of the happiest people that you have met. And I want to say that they're probably even here. This is, and without exposing, but this is the reality that God can change a situation when we love and value people and we're prepared to get out of our comfort zones. God cares. So he's empowering us to get out. And he's given us this message of reconciliation. He sent us on rescue mission. And we carry a message. And then he empowers us to deliver it. And the message isn't, come to the church and he'll make everything wonderful. The message and the invitation actually isn't to just come into the four walls of this place. I know that's the easiest and most convenient way to to say, kind of broach this piece of your faith with somebody. But people don't need to come to a church. They need an encounter with Jesus and then come to church and be a part of family. But Jesus is what they need. Jesus is going to set them free. Jesus is going to give them purpose and identity. And yes, we get to invite them here corporately, but I just want to challenge you and encourage you that, hey, it's Jesus they need. It's him. So what else? Um, Just one last comment here before I share the last point in this piece of um, being empowered by the Holy Spirit and reaching out. So many of us think, well, you know, that's evangelism and that's, you know, that's a gift. That's for some, not for me. And I just, I just feel to encourage you and just to say that, you know, if you don't feel like you are an evangelist, guess what? That's okay. But you are a follower of Jesus. And followers of Jesus all have the same power that raised Christ from the dead, which means we all have the Holy Spirit in us. And we're all being prompted to reach out and to love others and to be a witness. And in actual fact... This piece of an evangelist, you know, the evangelist's job or role in the context of kingdom is actually to encourage and inspire each one of us to go out and be witnesses. The primary thing an evangelist doesn't do and shouldn't do is just have the big crusade. I mean, it's wonderful that that happens and we see the gift working and people get saved. Amazing. But their primary role is to equip you and I, the saints, for the work of ministry. It's to equip you and I to actually be witnesses and to spur us on. So whatever the thing is that you could put in and go, well, I'm not an evangelist or I'm not outward going or I'm shy or I'm not eloquent. Whatever you could fill that gap with, I'm not blank. In the natural, sure. But Jesus fills that blank and he empowers us with the Holy Spirit and he fills it. And with him, we can do all things. So I want to encourage you with that. We're empowered. So what else? When we look at the life of Jesus and we think of us as followers of Jesus, what's the last thing that I see that I want to touch on today? And and it's this, that followers of Jesus make disciples. We know the Great Commission. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Followers of Jesus make disciples. 
right from witnessing and testifying to Jesus and seeing someone come to salvation, right through to actually helping them come to maturity. You know, we just, Katie and I just had a little baby girl. Her name's Nicola. It's amazing to have another little one in the house. I feel incredibly blessed. But you know, when a new baby comes, we don't just leave the baby. We, we, we come home from the hospital and we don't just go, hey, here's your room, baby. Figure it out. Read this book. You get to do life. Right? I mean, it'd be nice, but we don't get to do that, right? No, no, no. Babies are loud. Babies want attention. Babies smell, right? They're inconvenient. But for us, we don't abandon the baby. As believers come, as we talk about reaching out and outreach, actually, yes, 100%, we are reaching the lost. But as new believers come in, they're a new creation, And they have to grow and mature. And we're all on some measure of this journey. But followers of Jesus love people enough and care enough to bring them from immaturity to maturity. And that does mean that we'll be inconvenienced. It does mean we have to sometimes clean up messes with people and help them through. But that is part of what God's called us to as followers of Jesus. It's actually one of our primary things we do is disciple people. We bring them through. We teach them how to follow Jesus by following Jesus ourselves. And we say, follow me as I follow Jesus. And for us, I just feel like even in the context of looking at outreach, that God has actually put us together to encourage one another, to spur one another on, that actually there's a responsibility on each one of us to help disciple others and bring them through. And I think often we want to default to putting the responsibility of discipleship on the pastor. And we just said, well, that's kind of their job. Or don't you have a program for that? You know, can we do a a 12-step program or, you know, the six-week course on discipleship? And, you know, courses are good. They're tools. They're helpful. But actually, the scripture tells us, the word tells us that we're all supposed to disciple, that we have a responsibility to care enough for people to help bring them through to maturity. And I think you probably, if you've been a part of our community for a while, maybe you've realized this. Um, We're not necessarily a program-driven church. You know, we want to create a culture of this, which means that we as individuals that make up the church, we get a revelation of this. We own it ourselves and we do it and model it. And you know what? If for a time we do an event or if for a time we do a program, great, but that's a tool. Our desire is to create a culture in our community of reaching out and a culture in our community of discipleship because that's what followers of Jesus do. Amen? So I just want to encourage you and just to recap with this and say, let this be a spurring on. This isn't us looking at it going, oh my gosh, I'm falling short. You know what? We all do. But Jesus is encouraging us like, he, like you encourage a toddler to learn how to walk. You can do it. Come on, you can do it. There's so much for you. Once you learn how to walk, you can run. Once you can run, you can ride a bike. Once you can ride a bike, hey, maybe you can go ride motorcycles like Mike's grandkids, right? But God wants to see us run into the fullness of what he has for us and to walk in the call that he has, that piece of purpose. Remember, when we encounter Jesus, he gives us purpose to be fishers of men. So followers of Jesus, they have a close and intimate relationship with Jesus. They love people and are moved with compassion for them. They operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders follow them. And they make 
disciples. Let's be followers of Jesus, friends. Amen? Wonderful. Could we have the worship team up here? It's a wonderful journey we are in church. And um, I remember when I got saved, believe it or not, I, when, when I'm with people I know, I'm right out there, but with strangers, I like to find a corner and watch. And uh, absolutely helps me to have a wife like Deborah. And when I travel, and um, um, I'll be in Australia in a few weeks' time, um, I need people to take somebody with me. Number one, it's an accountability thing. But a lot of it, lot of it is because I sort of withdraw. I'm more introverted when I don't know people well. And so one of the things that we have to break in evangelism is we all have to be like a, a Paul or we all have to be like these guys that are, can really go for it. And we need them. We need them. But what we need to do is connect ourselves. Jesus never sent the disciples on their own. And I can imagine Jesus paired, paired John, who seemed was more of a dreamer kind of guy, with Peter in team. And so this is the big thing. I've got to get out there and I've got to do this. Yes, God can empower us to do this and give us the boldness to do that. But it's so much easier when we come alongside and we are doing things like feeding the poor and, and so on or, or being in a, in a home group and say, what can we do together and how can we reach out and how can we take the city for Jesus um, one kind deed at a time. And so, yeah, it's something that we are really trusting God for or connect yourself to guys like Paul and others that will show you and give us a boldness. I remember that. What I did when I was a young Christian, um, we used to go in the streets too, and I went with this guy who was so out there. It was quite fun being with him, but he was up, out there and I was back here, and slowly but surely nudged, nudged myself closer to him. Otherwise, it becomes this big thing and how I'm going to do it. And so God is gifted as, as you are, and God has placed us with people and the most incredible people you can reach is actually your mission field, which is where you work. If you like Josh, uh, it's a bit harder because he works at the Christian school and, uh, and so on. And even f- for us in here, yeah, I miss the days of being in the world because there would just be a God moment. It would just happen. Somebody would have a, a, a failure in their life or a disaster would happen in their life. And somehow or other, they would reach out to me and we would engage them. So just be aware that every day God is making an opportunity with colleagues, with friends, and just be aware and open to that person. And, and uh, that's what evangelism is all about. And so uh, I just want to finish with the song and the Holy Spirit uh, because... Um, um, if we could please stand and uh, just with this. And I want to pray. I want to pray over us. And thanks, Paul, that you laid that out so well. I just want to say, Father God, I just thank you for saving me. That somebody took the time to reach out to me. I thank you for people that prayed for me before I even knew you, Lord. 
Lord, I pray for our people, Lord, here, Lord God, that we will see the opportunities that you have created us as artists to use our skills as dancers, as runners, as fishermen, as all of these things. And Lord, that we will see opportunity just that evangelism is done best when we just do what we like doing and share it with others. And so, Lord, I just pray, just open our eyes afresh, Lord. Open mine. Break our hearts for the lost, Lord. Holy Spirit, come even now. You said you will empower us to witness. Paul spoke about that. You will give us boldness. And Holy Spirit, I can be very timid sometimes and afraid in circumstances. We want to rely on you. So I pray that we'll go from this place just encouraged to know that you never leave us or forsake us. Lord, that you will bring people around that can help us fulfill the call upon our lives.